Hello, my friends. This is Spencer Michaud, and I am joined today by my good friend, C.V. Henriette of Art of the Zodiac, and we are going to be talking about the new moon solar eclipse in Gemini. We're going to review a little bit of our experience at Demetra George's recent um, webinar on the 8th and 12th houses, which is pretty cool, that was done through the Astrology Toronto um, and then we're going to, you know, take some questions, chat with you in the chat box today, see how you're all doing. So if you are here today, please let us know where you're coming from, how you're doing, and um, what you're looking forward to with this uh, eclipse season coming up here, this this new moon eclipse. So CV, how are you doing? Good. I'm late. We are late because of me, because I had to take a uh, quick work call because of um a confusion someone thought that we we're meeting today when we're meeting tomorrow this has been very this mercury retrograde has been a lot yeah lots yeah. of yeah yeah i've i've uh i had some stuff work stuff this morning too so i think we're all kind of feeling the it's it's wednesday mercury's day hermes day right and uh mercury is retrograde causing maybe a little bit of delays in what we're doing here but you know, that's just how it goes sometimes. Sometimes we have to kind of anticipate that, build in a little extra time and see where we're uh, where we're heading here. But um, yeah, what other uh, Mercury retrograde stories have you been uh, experiencing lately? You know, it's just kind of wild. Like I've been ordering, um, like ordering things in the mail. And so like I ordered a gift for somebody and like it didn't arrive. Uh-oh. And then like it was no, it was delivered to the wrong. It was through Amazon. Apologies, everyone. I know how we feel about Amazon, but whatever. Um, I ordered um, I ordered a birthday gift and I ordered it through Amazon so it could arrive on time and they delivered it to the wrong house. I sent the right address. Mm -hmm. So I had to call and it was this thing and then it ended up getting there. And the same thing happened. Like I ordered a fan, but then as soon as I ordered it, it said it was going to be like a month later somehow. So I had to order another one. And then when I, I, I did cancel the second one, but it came anyway, but delayed. It's been all of these like, just like logistical issues. Like yesterday, this is my last one. I had to like deal with this court thing in, you know, not even here, like in Paris. It's this sort of mess up. It's, it's about a dead relative. It's a long drawn out thing. Sure, sure. I, I was on a deadline and I had to get, um, this, this, um, this, this paper fax and I had to actually print it out and fill out this form. And so what, like Monday night, I went to do it and my printer broke just inexplicably printer broke. Okay. So whatever. It's annoying. The next day I was like, fine, I'll go to the printer, like Kinko's by my house, whatever. Swear to goodness. I get there. I'm like so short for time. And there's a giant like sign. It's like 3 PM said location closed due to emergency. Wow. <laughs> so I had to like, travel like an hour out of my way to do this anyway. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And if you're listening in, tell us <laughs> if you have any uh, Mercury retrograde stories right now. Right now, my cat is playing the role of, of Hermes. <laughs> in the background here, you can see Gandalf here is uh, being a little bit of a trickster. I'm going to have to keep an eye on him. Usually, he's not allowed in the office because there are plants here that he's not supposed to eat. <laughs> but uh, this is par for the course. And, uh, he just wants to be where I'm at. And I, I'm keeping the door open today because it's like 90 degrees here in Michigan and, and I'm on the second story of an old house and uh, trying to keep some airflow going. But I'm seeing Tarya is uh, here in the chat joining us from Finland. So welcome, Tarya. Glad to have you here. I love and, our Finland uh, friends. If there are other people out there in virtual land, uh, please 
uh, tell us where you're coming from and uh, w- what's going on with you. Um, interesting. One little thing that popped up just to yeah. b- bring it full circle with the astrology. <laughs> um, one of the things that uh, I've been talking about with a few other astrologers after attending the Northwest Astrology Conference yeah. and talking about uh, Ben Ben Dyke's talk with solar returns. And uh, one of the things that I was taking away from his talk was, you know, that a planet in your natal chart, regardless of where it is in your solar return, uh, is always going to kind of uh, be drawing upon similar house topics, right? And I thought it was fascinating. The thought that came up when you were thinking about this was um, Mercury is placed in what house for you? The eighth. Right? The house of? Death. There you go. So you had, when Mercury was retrograding, you mm-hmm. had to deal with an issue that was had to do with death and with like maybe some kind of thing with uh, resources of others and something of that nature. So y- you had something that was coming and reviewing based on where that planet was in your chart. And, uh-huh. and I think that's a really cool thing to play with, with, with your charts there at home, because I think that that's something I'm really starting to focus on is that planet is always going to be bringing those topics from the natal chart. You know, and, and it's it's really, yes, it may be colored in a certain different way, but it's always going to be funneling back to that particular planet. And I think that was the one of the really big takeaways I took from, from Ben's talk. You know, I'm going to just sort of add to that and say that when I think of like, um, because I, I just, well, during this season, I had my nodal return. My nodes are natally in the Gemini Sagittarius axis. Um, and I noticed that my nodal return story from what I've, can piece together what it seems to be is there's a lot of death connected to it. So even like my nodal return, right, is is connected to that eighth house Mercury. So to further like that, it would be curious. I'd be curious for people to look at their um, their nodal story and to see how that plays in. Or sorry, that wouldn't fit that. That wouldn't that wouldn't matter. I I'm Gemini related, so. Well, you have the eclipse is activating your your nodes because yes, you, not everyone. Yeah, we'll break that down too because eclipses happen near the north or the south node. Uh, so we'll, we'll have to bring that into our story here. I'm seeing a few more chats and our comments in the chat box. Ooh, Hello, ooh. Aaron. Aaron says hi from Iowa. Demetra's workshop last weekend was great. Yeah, it definitely was. It was a you know, CB and I were kind of texting and being having our minds blown throughout the whole yeah. <laughs> the whole weekend. And she did a if for those of you who aren't familiar, Demetra George just did a deep dive through Astrology Toronto, um, which is a great organization. We have some friends uh, that we studied with that are uh, part of their board, um, and she did a deep dive on the eighth and the twelfth house. And uh, which is is interesting because those houses are really difficult ones to speak with with clients because there's a lot of um, in in the tradition there's a lot of challenging topics that come up especially topics like death with the eighth house and potentially feelings of isolation and imprisonment or things like self undoing with the twelfth house so it it was a really I really enjoyed my time I. I will say doing Norwalk and that back to back was an endurance test uh, as far as like being in front of the screens for multiple hours a day. But um, Demetra is such a, uh, a wonderful, masterful teacher that she's just getting a direct download from her was really wonderful. And being able to, you know, benefit from the accumulated um study that she's been doing for decades now for a full Saturn return as she likes to say for these books that she has coming out um 
pretty pretty awesome stuff. What, what was uh what were some of your thoughts, CV? What what was your experience like? Well, I'll start with the fact that I had a lot of work to do, and when you were like, "Hey, let's uh, you know, attend sixteen hours of lectures this weekend," <laughs> I somehow jumped at it, and I was like, "Oh man, what I get myself into!" But it was absolutely like totally worth it. Um, she, yeah, you're right. Just to, to add to what you're saying, she has so much knowledge, right? Like I feel like I just had a really good download for these two houses. Um, two other things. One, you know, it's interesting because I have Mercury in the eighth and you have some 12th. If you, I can say Mercury in the 12th. So yeah, we, and, we have Mercury activating these houses. Yeah. So we were, so it was interesting to be able to like have this conversation with you. And I feel like through your, you sharing your 12th house experience, like while I was listening to that lecture, it was really like creating a full picture for me. Um, and then also just like everybody like in that chat was just really knowledgeable. Like it's so lovely when you go to get, when you attend a lecture, but then everyone else there is just like on it. Yeah. That's just like the greatest. Yeah. We have a lot of really intelligent and, um, you know, I don't know, talented people in the astrological community that have lots of wonderful contributions to add to the conversation. And I, I enjoy learning from them and getting to hear their stories and, you know, one thing I think that is important to recognize is that everyone's going to have little niches here and there of things that they've studied and things that they are passionate about. Because um, astrology, it's, it's not a it's not a monolith, right? There's just so many different uh, entry points to it, and um, it's really it's it's um, you know it's really great to see uh, get those alternate perspectives and really learn from them as well. I'm seeing that the Dimphi is joining us from the Netherlands. Uh, nice to be here. Greetings from oh, the wow. Netherlands. Very cool. Aaron says, I only did Sunday. Gemini is my ninth and so much else going on. I really enjoyed listening to Demetra, though, as I knew I would. Yeah, one of the things that I noticed, um, it's Demetra is like in her mid-70s, right? And uh, the stamina, uh, the intellectual and probably physical stamina for yeah. speaking for that long was incredible. I think she, she's a Leo ascendant like us. So uh, I think that, I don't know if you you're, have that type of uh, sustained energy over time, but man, she was just going and going and going. And, and just, I, I was like, oh man, at the end of it, when people were asking questions, I was like, man, let's let this, <laughs> let's let this lady rest a little bit, you know, but I'm, yeah. I'm bad. I ask all the questions too. <laughs> oh no. It, you know, maybe that's something to be brought up though, because I have some friends her age one in particular I'm thinking about who has like a Leo ascendant and like, like it's astounding how much more energy I think they have than maybe even me. Um, well, hopefully when we get to that life stage, we will be like just channeling mana, mana from the universe, right? And or prana, prana, <laughs> prana, mana, whatever it is, <laughs> just that, that energy, that spiritual energy, it's a shift, right, from physical energy to the to being fueled by m maybe more spiritual energy, or having to marshal your energy in a different way. I think that what I've noticed with aging is, I just have to to have short bursts and then rest and things like that. Uh, even yeah. as we get into our forties <clears throat> here, you know, like, like uh, you know, it's a little different than the Demetrius situation, but but definitely there's always different life stages that you're going through. 
Uh, Lisa is here. Lisa, here listening while I work Whis and whistling. Are you whistling while you work, Lisa? I just added that. You said listening while you work, and it thought made me think that you might be whistling as well. Um, it's great to have you here. Uh, yeah, if you're just joining us, we're talking a little bit about Jamitra George's webinar that we both attended through Astrology Toronto. Um, there's just a lot of educational opportunities out there. Just to give Demetria a plug, she has a second book in her series, Ancient Astrology in Theory and Practice, that is coming out and is available for pre-order right now through the Rebato Press website. Uh, so if you look up Rebato Press, they are out of New Zealand. Uh, I believe that the gentleman that runs that, his name is Aaron Cheek, very knowledgeable person, great writer too. He, his writing reminds me a lot of Austin Kopic's writing. I believe that they are friends. Um, and uh, it's available for pre-order. And she also has a Hellenistic course coming up too that is through, I think, Astrology University. So Ooh. I want to, you know, plug Demetra's work because she's been such a huge influence in my own work, especially with like uh, her book, Astrology and the Authentic Self, um, you know, basically sending me down this path of traditional astrology and then just learning from her at workshops, conferences, talks, and whatnot. So one of the true uh, masters and really just genuinely nice people in, in this um, area of study. So, so she is someone who is really, really good at teaching a complicated thing in a simple way where you can actually... Um, do exercises to become better at it. She's really good at like saying, okay, here's the concept. Now here's how to put it into practice. Here's how to put it into use. And I really, my, all my Virgo placements are really excited about that <laughs> approach. My, my Mercury and Pisces that needs all the help he can get is really happy about that approach. Yeah. Um, last thing I just want to say about her, like sort of adding to that, I'm going to, I need to find a new way to say adding to that, by the way that phrase. Okay. Um, I, did you just, I, every time I should know this already, but every time I hear a lecture with her from her, especially this one, I'm just almost surprised. It's so delightful the way that she's able to like synthesize an entire life's worth of astrological study into a practice because she often takes from like, um, schools of thought that aren't necessarily traditional, even though she is a master in traditional. Like, I'm just so fascinated how she'll, she'll bring in sort of other modalities in just such a seamless and like eloquent way. I don't know if your thoughts on that. Oh, yeah, totally. She's, uh, you know, one of the things she's known for too is like the asteroids and, and things yeah. of that nature, which is something that she became one of the, I guess, foremost mm -hmm. experts on in the, you know, decades leading up to the traditional revival as well. And, um, yeah, Demetra, she she takes people on trips around the world to these sacred ancient sites. Um, yeah, I would I would love to do something like that. She t she was before the pandemic hit, she was taking people to Greece and and all of these uh, wonderful historic sites, and uh, that would be a really cool trip to get that kind of direct transmission as well. Um, I guess it just goes to show that if you put the work in over time. Um, there are good things that can come from a lifetime of study. And I think that that is one of her gifts is she just continued to work over time and, and build uh, a practice or build a research type of approach. Um, her story is interesting too, because she went back and learned 
got a degree in classics and learned ancient Greek. And I believe she probably learned Latin or something like that. So she can translate these texts. And what, what I, the, the most important thing in her story is that when Project Hindsight came around, Demetria was like 50, 50 okay. years old. And her entire um, astrological worldview was thrown into question to the point where she has said she stopped giving readings completely because she's like, this is a whole new system. It's whole new information and it's throwing into question everything that I've done. And she at 50 years old said, I'm going to completely relearn this tradition and, and have the flexibility of mind and the willingness to be a late stage apprentice, right. To, to completely shift um, what she was doing. And I have so much respect for that because it's very easy for people to get um, fixated on their method and not yeah. change. And I've seen that even in the astrological community where I've heard some very prominent astrologers on some podcasts say, I would love to study traditional astrology, but I just don't have time. I'm, I'm too busy cashing checks and, and like, uh, you know, getting, doing readings and things like that. And at least that's what it felt like it, they were saying to me. And, um, I, I, I hope to always retain that flexibility of mind, I guess. So good for you, Demetria on that. Right. Well, I think, I don't know, like maybe this is kind of veering off, but I feel so lucky that, um, I started studying astrology, like I, st I started studying um, traditional from the very beginning. But what I think Demetra maybe did is that like understanding that to, to study a traditional is really just to go back to the source, right? right? Like so and, and someone like her is very interesting because there are some sort of modern techniques she sort of in, puts back in, but she really took the time to get to know the craft. So yeah, I don't understand people being like, I don't have time to study that. It's like you don't have time to study the thing that earns you a living. Yeah, yeah. And, and to me too, and I can understand if, if people have built a practice and built a business and things like that, but it always comes back to essence and intention for me. Like part of the reason I pulled back a little bit from doing as much, um, you know, content creation was that I felt like I, I needed to learn more. You know, I, I was, I had taken what I had learned to it's logical, not ending point, but to as far as I could take it doing yeah. what I was doing. And I really wanted to re-engage and, and free up some time to pursue something that um, would light my spark. And mm -hmm. when I, I feel like us Leo Ascendants, CV, when we're excited about something, we can sell that idea to anybody or share that idea with, with anybody. But when we're not excited about it, it's just like... We're like pouty pants, you know, <laughs> like, so I wanted to feel that, like that, that, yes, this is amazing. I love this. And you should love this too. I'm great. And you're great. You know, that Leo thing that we were talking about before, but I think it's more the idea that's great and say, okay, I, I love this idea that mm -hmm. I really want to be able to, um, share it. I see we're being joined by aligning light astrology. My, now I know who that is. I saw the last live stream. I w forgot who that was. That's my my new friend, Dr. Claire Moon, who uh, all of you should check out on Instagram and uh, on, on their website and whatnot. A great astrologer who does some office hours on Tuesday evenings at 7 o'clock um, Eastern time or 6 Central, I think. You can correct me if I'm wrong, Claire. 
but an intelligent voice added to the conversation here. So welcome. What are office hours? Office hours. Well, Claire should tell us what office hours are. But basically, uh, it's like a Instagram live where she will get on and then, uh, you know, do questions and answers and things like that. And I like really office like, hours. Yeah, exactly. I really <laughs> like their approach. And um, yeah, really, really intelligent voice added to the conversation and a fellow, mm -hmm. fellow Midwesterner like us. So uh, glad to have you here, Claire. Um, all right. So do, did we do a, enough of a dive on Demetra's stuff? Yeah, okay. Any I'm going to ask takeaways? you. Yeah. What I'm going to ask you. Okay. So someone with 12th house placements. Yeah. What was like, did you have like an aha moment takeaway from that lecture? And what, like, what was it? Um, I will preface that by saying that this was not my oh, first Demetra George lecture and in the past i have had many aha moments oh i can't with, hear you oh, hello can you hear me now you still there are we getting retrograded we're getting retrograded so weird i can hear you now you can hear me now okay um, I, I will just i was saying that um i've i've attended a lot of Demetra's lectures at various conferences and things like that yeah. and Every time I see her speak, I definitely was getting the light bulb moments. And uh, I think with this one, there were some things that I've heard her speak about before. Um, but one of the things I really uh, resonated with, she's talking about the 12th house in general and talking about the ascent of the soul, to, you know, through the different planetary spheres. Like the, the, the soul will come down through the planetary spheres to be incarnated into a body. And when it leaves the body, it needs to go back through those spheres and release the, the, the things that it has accumulated on this physical plane. Yeah. And what Demetra did that I thought was so brilliant, she went through the different planetary spheres and talked about the types of things that need to be released. And this was also echoed in the Hermetica, the Corpus Hermeticum is, is where they, this is talked about. So like, for example, the moon, you need to release um, like inconstancy. So th this is like if you have a planet in the 12th house, maybe this is something that would be contributing to a feeling of self-undoing or a feeling of hardship or or th where that planet might not be functioning as well as it, it would want to. So like if you have the moon in the 12th, it might be that you need to learn some consistency or something like that. Mercury, it's releasing like, you know, maybe manipulating or, or not being honest. You know, mm -hmm. uh, the sun could be arrogance or something of that nature. Um, Jupiter, I think, was greed. Um, and Saturn, what was Saturn? I don't know. You were at the talk, too. But there, each planet had a, 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 one of the seven deadly sins yeah, or something yeah. that connected it with, too, that, that they were working through. Um, so that concept is ripe for exploration. The way that I like to think about it, too, instead of just it just being a sin, potentially, because I, I know that that's a loaded language as far as like not everybody is practicing a certain religious tradition. Um, and astrology is not necessarily, you know, you don't have to practice a religion necessarily to be a good astrologer. Um, I think that for me, Saturn being the joy right uh, in the 12th house or Saturn's joy being in the 12th mm -hmm. one one way that I've been approaching Saturn is seeing it as a planet of 
contraction to bring equilibrium, to be able to like um, bring things back into harmony and back into balance because it is that planet of nemesis that is restoring right proportion and it's exalted in Libra. So I really think that those 12th house placements, it's a humbling, it's the humbling of Saturn. So those planets, they, they are being Saturned, okay? You know, and, it's, and I've gone through this. I have a sun and Mercury in the, in the 12th house. And I've definitely had circumstances in my life where I had a humbling. Um, like, here's an example, Mercury in the 12th. Yeah. I used to, when I was really young, um, I just would say whatever would come into my head. And yeah. my dad was always like, Spencer, you got to think, think before you speak think before you speak, you know, like he would really drill that into my, into my head, like really consider how, what you're saying is going to affect other people. And almost to the point where it created like a, mm, a some of a, somewhat of a complex that I've had to overcome on some level. But I think that what that has given me is the ability to really consider how my words are going to have an emotional effect on other people. And, and by bringing that into harmony, by slowing down the delivery of my speech, I'm able to consider before I say it, whether it's going to hurt someone's feelings or not. Does that make sense? Yeah. He was literally like reining in your Mercury. Your father was sort of acting like that Saturn character. Totally. Saturn being the father, right, too. So yeah. that's a really interesting conversation of that. Um, I'm seeing some chats coming in. Yeah. Um, Lisa is talking back about something we were talking about with uh, knowledge being calcified and we don't want to get too calcified. We want to stay flexible. I agree. Uh, Claire is saying uh, respect for sure for, for Demetra and being able to learn at a more advanced age. Uh, she's saying that her, their office hours are 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. Okay, so it's Mercury retrograde. We got to get that time right. 7 p.m. Central, 8 p.m. Eastern. Um, pop by to nerd out about astrology and ask me questions. Thanks for the shout out. I've always wondered about the seven deadly sins and the planets, Demetra, for the win. Uh, Lisa says, 12th house planets are subject to the rule of Saturn in a way. It makes so much sense. Yeah, that was a really huge aha moment, you know, as far as my own 12th house placements. Because, I, you know, I have the sun there too. And there are definitely some times where I've been humiliated, <laughs> like I would say, humbled is the word. But uh, it was easy for me in my youth sometimes to get, it was a, a sway, right? It was, it's the sway of like extreme self-confidence versus, you know, uh, a lack of confidence. And I think planets in those cadent houses are a little bit unstable like that. And I've swung back and forth between some really ugly arrogance to just not believing in myself type of thing. And that's 12th house type of experience too. And I've had to learn as I age to moderate that swing right that's that emotional swing and become more consistent with with things as well um i guess one one final thing i'll say about that cb and then i'd like to hear your feedback on that is since the sun is my ascendant ruler uh having it placed in the 12th house can make it a little bit difficult to figure out like who you are right it, it, when you have the the helm in yeah. inversion when it's not witnessing the ascendant it can feel like your life is pulling you off track consistently. Um, and I remember Demetria talked about the loss of one or both parents with, with having the lights in the 12th house. And 
you know, my parents divorced when I was very young, two years old, and my dad moved away for a period of time. And then um, I went to live with my dad and my mom like left for a period of time. So I've lost both parents at various points of my life. Not in the same way that, that, that you did. You, you have some interesting things with like having fourth house stuff, right? Um, with your parents. I don't know how much you want to go into that. You don't have to. I'm sorry to bring it up if it's a private. Oh, thing, no, no. But, yeah, that's a funny thing. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of this, you know, it's just interesting to see how it both plays out physically and mentally, right? In the inner and the outer, as above, so below, as within, so without. So I toss it back to you. Um, first thing I want to get out of the way, when I was looking at my phone, I was looking for the seven deadly sins slide. I could not yeah. find it. Oh, we think everyone updated. Yeah. Maybe um, I'll and, look for it. and I was following Dr. Moon on Instagram. Dr. Yeah. Okay. So, um, it's interesting because like, I'll kind of talk maybe about a similar, it's interesting to think about how people on the surface can have like similar experiences, but how, when you look at the chart, you start to all right. Uh, you start to see the different ways that maybe this experience is both manifest in that person's life and then how they are interpreted by, you know, the, the, the owner of the chart. So I have, um, um, I think my most, de definitely my most debil debilitated planet is Mercury and Pisces in the eighth, right? I don't have any planets as well. Um, and it's interesting because you mentioned that, that like I have my son in Aries in the ninth, my moon's in Gemini, but like I had a similar, like growing up, but both my parents, like at a very young age, my parents split, my mother left for a time, my father left for a time, my father ended up dying on my Saturn return. Um, but it's interesting when I think about like how they play out in my chart, in some ways, like I definitely see my Saturn as my, my father and I see my mother moon in, in different ways um, in Gemini. But in some ways, like my experience of that part of my life is very much, I think, embedded in that Mercury. Yeah. I think about like, I grew up with a father who was a Vietnam vet, mm. really traumatized. My grandmother, like, you know, survived Paris, World War II, Jew. Um, I just grew up with all these really heavy, like, stories of war and just trauma and I just grew up with a lot of just like a lot of just emotionally like my parents themselves drank a lot when I was growing up like a lot and there was a lot of just emotional heaviness and then also sort of generational and so it's interesting to think that like for me the way that it sort of I feel like all of that is embedded in my eighth house I feel there's just sort of this lineage of that 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 for me has always been in my chart the one thing that I always it feels like a sticking point it's like the one thing part of my chart that I always have to confront no matter how good everything is and I wonder if in some ways your 12th house placement feels like that like things in the rest of the chart can be happening but it somehow always attracts to that 12th house lens somehow yeah um well first of all yes I can confirm that I, I did find the slide that we were in question Okay, so cool. this is the this is from the Corpus Hermeticum, though. This is not the seven deadly sins. This is what is being released as you pass as the soul passes through the seven celestial spheres. So in ancient times, they thought that the earth was the center of, of spheres that surrounded the earth and that the soul would pass up through these seven uh, celestial spheres and release something that, that it had gained in its earthly incarnation. 
So the moon, it's, it was said to be increase and decrease. Mercury was evil machination. Venus, illusion of longing and desire. The sun, arrogance. Mars, unholy presumption and daring recklessness. And Ju Jupiter, evil impulses that come from wealth. And then Saturn, deceit that lies in ambush. So those are fascinating things from the Corpus Hermeticum, right? So inconstancy with the moon, you know, be playing tricks on people or trying to manipulate people with Mercury, potentially Venus, like overly desiring things because Venus is that planet of love desiring. And yeah. um, of course, the sun is like trying to is the king and that pride, you know, arrogance. Um, daring recklessness, though, Mars speeds things up, right? Mars uh, is trying to get us to that, you know, take unnecessary risks, potentially. And then Jupiter is, is like that greed like for for wealth uh, uh and then saturn deceit that lies in ambush that's an interesting one that makes me think of hidden enemies right because the 12th house we say hidden enemies right. like see if they're lying in ambush you can't see them they're just gonna come out yeah. at you and and so we have uh someone else joining us today cloverfield constellations astrology and tarot it says hello beautiful people hello to you cloverfield um if you want to tell us what your name is, we can call you by name, or we can just use your moniker, business moniker here. Uh, I wanted to comment on your eighth house placements because they're one of the things that really stood out to me in Demetrius talk about the eighth house uh, was a communication with the dead. And I, I recently, excuse me, I recently had a client uh, who had a prominent eighth house luminary and I had asked them about, do you speak with the dead? And they they were like, yep. <laughs> like, like, and then proceeded to give me a very interesting, accurate description of the spirits that were surrounding me at the time um, and gave me some information that would not have been known pretty much by anyone else than the person that they claimed was in the room with me. And I thought that was like really fascinating, really interesting. Um, and something to, to consider if you're reading charts and you see somebody with a, a really prominent eighth house placement and it, to see if that is part of their experience, that, that kind of like, um, I don't know, not, seance or what is the word where we could talk about mediumship or channeling, what word, channeling what, whatever, necromancy, is that, is that the communication with the dead, right? Do you, ha do you have experiences like that with, with your mercury there? Yeah, but it's, it's not like as dramatic and like exciting but it's definitely like real i think so for instance like going back to my um my nodal return story about um i have one aunt that i was really close to she lived in paris she she died like right before i, I couldn't visit her before she died anyway so um an example of this I, I always have like really weird dreams like i remember like when i was younger i'm gonna backtrack i remember like when i was like i don't know 12 I had this great dream. My grandfather died, and like, the, like the next morning, my father was like, "Oh, your grandfather's not going to make it because he's in the hospital." Just weird things like that. But then also, like, so in my, is my aunt. Um, I changed my name. My middle name's Vivian. Vivian, and I actually named myself. Took the name from Vivian Haywood, who's T. S. Eliot's first wife. I feel this sort of very close connection with her. At any rate, I, I've told you the story already. I just found out in the last you know week that my aunt, the one who died, um, uh she um her we never knew her middle name for whatever reason my mother didn't think of it but we have the exact so her middle name is vivian so i sort of unconsciously took her middle name 
And she's the one that I've been having to do all these, it's something around her death. So I had to do these papers with her and like, and by yesterday, this like mercury trip up, it was like forcing me to think about her. So I feel there in these some ways, I feel like I get these like really meaningful connections somehow to the dead being like, remember me, do this thing about me. Um, and that feels very significant or like, you know, I now share a name with this woman. Yeah. But it's not like, yeah, I don't, I don't have that or even like, you know, I don't have the experience of like voices, which I'm really, I know people have that experience and I have to say, I'm really envious. <laughs> yeah. I've never had, um, I, I don't know if I've had too many paranormal type experiences. Oh, my cat is, is ins inserting himself <laughs> into the conversation here. This is Gandalf, everyone. If you can see him behind me, his brother Radagast is probably somewhere sleeping, but we'll see. Um, yeah, I, I, I've had some, I would say that 12th house knowing versus 8th house knowing is different. So Demetra talked a lot about Edgar Casey with 8th house placements. And um, yeah, I don't hear voices. I've not really seen spirits or ghosts or things like that. But I think that with a 12th house placement, you, she was talking about tapping into a collective unconscious. And I, I think that I definitely do that a lot like I, I kind of have the have been in the past of somehow stumbled into the zeitgeist of what the community may be feeling and I can feel that and I will get thoughts on that so I think it's a different type of intuition where instead of maybe a direct contact with like an, a spirit an individual in the spirit world it's like you're tapping into this ocean of consciousness with the 12th house and it's a very it's a very different weird thing I will say that one of the results of that is that when the collective is suffering i really feel it and it's really overwhelming sometimes like whenever when when there is civil unrest it really it wears on me quite a bit and i wonder if people in the chat have had that type of 12th house experience um, lisa says maybe the 12th house native will experience the opposite for example you can't get away with this particular sin saturn brings karma to you quickly if you do I, yeah, I, I think that that could definitely be a part of the conversation, right? Like Saturn is going to punish if you commit that particular transgression. Um, but I think that the punishment, punishment is a loaded word that we want to, you know, that we have difficulty with sometimes, but I think Saturn's ultimate goal is homeostasis or equilibrium. So it's that contraction or that punishment that brings things back into balance. So I, I think that on that regard, Lisa, definitely you're on the right track. Um, Aligning Light says, Lisa, that's interesting. I'm going to keep thinking on that. I sort of do feel like that with my 12th house party. Yeah, Claire has some prominent 12th house placements too and was confirming some of our um, thoughts on the 12th house. What do you think, CV? I just think it's funny. I, for a while in readings, I kept getting people with 12th house placements. And it was so interesting to me how like most of them had like some sort of, you're right. They had like this really deep tie to the collective, whether they, a lot, a lot of them were spiritual practitioners, whether like they were healers or tarot readers or something like this. But I've also experienced people who had this sort of literal transformation of it. Like they were literally, um, they had like been in jail or in some sort of institution when they were younger. And then through that experience, it had like shaped their entire life. Um, 
like I've seen that sort of play out and but definitely yeah this connection to the collective um and I'm wondering if yours is like just a more um even more I would say like rich richer that's the word porous experience because it is cancer right that so feeling like maybe you're really like tied into those sort of emotional that emotional body of the collective certainly feels that way. I, I, and I, I, I think that one interesting mitigation uh, or something that is helping my 12th house experience is that I have an exalted moon on the midheaven. And that's ruling all of those planets in the 12th house. So it's kind of like, I can't help but make those experiences public experiences. And I think that's what I'm doing on this channel a little bit is just tapping into some of that collective through examining omens, examining symbols and talking about it and hopefully bringing value to people through sharing my experiences, sharing my insights or, or things of that nature. And I think that one of the things that just to, to tie a bow on this, as far as what Demetria was talking about, about how to deal with planets in that house, I love the story that she talks about the energy of, of a bodhisattva, you know, where you experience suffering uh, so that you can help alleviate and learn compassion for others. And I've experienced more than my fair share of suffering. I, I, I don't talk publicly about everything that has gone on in my private life, but I've gone through some stuff, <laughs> like as every 12th house person can probably uh, attest. But I think that one of the things I really strive to do is to turn those challenges into teachable moments and to try to uh, help other people through just knowing maybe what someone is going through and saying, I'm going to hold space for you and I'm going to, I, I can, I don't know exactly your experience and it may take a different form. Than, than what mine does, but the essence of our suffering is is we can relate on that level. And um, I think that's a great way to deal with the 12th house is to, to think about how you can utilize that experience and maybe choose to to overcome it and to share and to, to have compassion for people because it really is a choice. Some 12th house people can be the worst examples of human beings in the world if they are allowing the bad diamond, you know, to, to overwhelm them. Whereas some of the 12th house people can be some of the, the most enlightened and like, you know, helpful people in the world because they're choosing to use whatever that experience is to be able to move forward and to help other people. I've got to make sure Gandalf isn't eating this poisonous plant behind me. Sorry. Do you know, um, oh, why can't I think of his name right now? Damien... You wrote a book on magic. Mm -hmm. Why is this so hard for me? He was, um, let me look this up. Because I was, I always equate this story at the 12th house. Damien Eccles? Am I getting that right? So bad with names. I'm on my computer. I'm still going to look this up this way. What is the book? So essentially, he wrote, he's written a couple books. He's written books on like magic. Um, yeah, Damien Eccles. That's right. When he was like... I don't know, like 19, I think, he was sentenced to jail for life. Um, yeah, it was for life. Um, 
because he was accused of killing, I think it, he was like three young boys or something. It was just really horrible. Um, but he, God, he was in jail for like 18 years or something crazy like this before they finally, you know, he um, was released because they had no evidence. He was, um, sorry, my dog is making noises. Um, anyway, so he was released from jail. It was, it was this false thing, whatever. Um, not whatever, it's a huge story. But his whole thing is, sorry, there's a Pomeranian yapping. Can you hear me, by the way? You were getting kind of glowy for a minute. Yeah, I can hear you now. Okay, cool, cool. So anyway. This is, this is the animal edition of the live stream. <laughs> I know. Oh, my God, the Pomeranian barking from her crate. Okay. So anyways, Damien Eccles goes away, like, 19 years old, right? So this is, like, about, like, what? Um, this is the first um, nodal return, right? 19? Yeah. Approximately. Anyway, sends to jail for life, and he gets in there, and this sort of older inmate says to him, like, listen, you're here, and you have two choices. You can either um, treat this like a prison and lose your mind, just go crazy, because you realize you're in prison. Mm -hmm. Or you can treat this like your monastery and go inward and live your life and that's what he did so he spent the next 18 years becoming like a zen priest just studying like studying magic intently so intensely and so he ended up like getting married while he was still in prison and his wife was a videographer and they made this documentary and she helped get him out and then now it's like he's written books on magic but that's exactly what to me that feels like the 12th house that moment yes i i love uh that you are pointing out this train of thought um, because this was another thing that Demetra was highlighting and spotlighting too, is that another expression of the 12th house is kind of the intellectual in the ivory tower or the mystic that is like accepting being in that place of exile or in like an ashram or something of that nature. And I think that that's a, yeah, I think that's a great, another great way to approach planets in that house is being able to say, this is part of what my life experience is going to be. And through my acceptance, I'm going to be able to grow within this condition of my life. But I, one of the things I was talking about with a student today, I, I do some private tutoring. Um, I, I always like to say the chart gives you the, the problem and the solution. And I was like, I don't know why other astrologers don't say that. Maybe they do. But she's like, she was like, well, that's what you need to say. That's your, that should be what you say then. And I was like, okay. So, but that means though, that when we come into alignment with what the chart is saying we are going to experience rather than resisting it, rather than trying to paddle upstream, we can work with the resources that we have to make the best of that situation. And I think that the way you make the best of a 12th house situation is through meditation retreat spiritual learning transcendence and things like that that's not to discount the the very real suffering that people experience there okay but you like i said one other thing i like to say to my to my family and to people on this channel is you can't avoid pain but i think that we can choose whether we are going to continue to suffer through resistance or acceptance Absolutely. Um, a couple ch chats coming in. Aaron was confirming Eccles was your author. Uh, they say that is he is an interesting character. He was into Wicca at one point, then the Golden Dawn, and got really into tarot. 
Yeah, Golden Dawn really had a lot of interesting uh, influences on the Rider Waite Tarot for sure, Aaron. Um, six house, Lisa says six house wants in on the convo. <laughs> well, Dimitri <laughs> didn't go over the six house very much in that <laughs> webinar. So we'll have to see. Kelsey oh, is here. Oh, her six house, uh, webinar at Norwalk. I haven't seen it yet. Oh yeah. Yeah. She, she did do a six house thing. Well, we'll have to get there. We need to get to the eclipse too today too. But, um, Kelsey is, uh, Kelsey Bates is here. Hello, Kelsey says Eccles is the the fishbowl man on Midnight Gospel. Oh yeah, that's a really interesting show, isn't it? With um, what's his name, the the psychedelic explorer. Um, oh boy, Duncan Trussell is his name. He he has a lot of interesting thoughts on experimental like psychedelic journeying, okay. um, and that that is a show uh, about. It's a cartoon sort of about him just like rambling on about his LSD experiences and stuff. It's cool though. It's there's a lot of interesting thoughts in there. Taria says natural forces, cats and dogs. <laughs> yes, that's what we're experiencing. Susanna is here from Finland. So we have two more Finland people here. Hi everyone. I almost missed this. Uh, and Lisa is saying hi to Susanna. All right, CV. So, so are we, do, do we have a, was that a pretty good um, deep dive into Demetra's work and a 12th house exploration here? Any final thoughts that you have with this? Um, no, I just think that again, the biggest takeaway was kind of reiterating, you know what I'm going to say the biggest takeaway from the conversation has been your, um, your tagline, right? So this, the chart will show us the problem and the solution. Hmm. Again, like it feels like from your 12th house experience, that's something you've had to learn to lean into. And I feel like I know it's the same for my eighth. So I think that's a sort of upbeat way to leave it, right? Like yeah. just because you have these planets at this, you're, you're, if you're listening to this, you're probably an adult. So you've already experienced the pain. It's just learning how to, um, yeah, find some acceptance and um, stoicism, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Deborah is here. Hello, Deborah. She says ha hello, Spencer and CV. Uh, it's good to see you here, Deborah. Deborah was, uh, I think, at Norwalk recently too. So, um, have had some nice conversations with her recently. Um, so, yes, agree one hundred percent. Problem and the solution. Also, just a final thought on that is, everyone's got something, and yeah. not everyone is is. Um, going to manifest the most positive manifestation of every type of human experience. And we, I think we have some strengths and we have some weaknesses. We have some things that flow really smoothly in our life, which we can lean into for support. And we mm -hmm. have some things that are more challenging that we may have to put extra energy into to be able to bring into balance and into equilibrium. All right, CV, let's go on to this new moon solar eclipse. Woo! So I'm going to bring up the chart of this eclipse and we will take a look at it here. So here is our eclipse that is happening tomorrow, Thursday, June the 10th at 6.52 a.m. Eastern Standard, Eastern Daylight Time, sorry. And we are seeing this eclipse happen at 19 degrees of Gemini. A new moon solar eclipse is where we have uh, the sun and the moon coming together in the same sign. Uh, and eclipses generally, eclipses do happen within a certain distance of one of the nodes. And in this case, it is the north node, a point of increase 
or a hungry dragon that has been has its head severed from its body. So you can think of it in a couple of different ways, right? We were talking about last time, I think last time we were together, we were talking about dragon fertilizer, right? Uh, like, I don't know if that was on this channel or some other channel where <laughs> we talk a lot. I think it was, there was, that was, where was that? It was so good. No, I think it was on this channel. Yeah. yeah. So, so we were talking about the last eclipse that we had, the full moon eclipse where, yeah, we were, that was during the astrology of June. So if you haven't checked out the astrology of June, we talk about dragon fertilizer, which was uh, sort of our, our funny way of describing the south node of the moon. And in that case, it was in Sagittarius, where we were coming to some kind of, fru you know, fruiting, some fruition, where energy was leaving. And in this case, it was Jupiter type energy. So maybe something surrounding our beliefs and the way that we organize our world and the way that we order our worlds. So if you're coming to this, I want you to think back on that full moon eclipse as to where the energy in the Sagittarius ruled area of your chart may have been leaving your life. And maybe if there was a, a requirement to release some intensity surrounding some of your beliefs, and I say intensity, because the south node was on the fixed star Antares, which is the, the heart of the scorpion, okay? And some of the downfalls of Antares is we can be a little bit too intense. We can, you know, put things out there a little bit too heavily. You have, a, I believe you have Jupiter on Antares, don't you, CV? So like you, you probably had to learn this lesson on some level. Although your intensity probably brings you benefit sometimes with Jupiter being there, I would, I would imagine. It, yeah, but it can also just, I have the, 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 um, the pitfall of like, like losing myself in a project. Right. And I feel like that's right. an intensity where you believe so much you lose yourself. Totally. But yes. And now this eclipse that we are experiencing roughly about two weeks later, um, we've been in the middle of like what your other teacher, Adam Summer calls the dragon hole, right. Or the dragon cave. Um, do you have, uh, ways that he has described that? You know, it's funny. Um, I'm sh sharing this in the chat. Um, I just wrote on, um, I quoted him. I just, I read his blog for supernatural lingerie and I just wrote something about like in general. So if you want to hear my ramblings, so you don't mind sharing that. With that. Sure. I mentioned that because, um, in it, I discussed it. it it's the whole piece is essentially that like, I think that the, what's different about the eclipses when you're talking about the dragon hole. And I, and I really get this from Adam as well is that, I mean, you think about it, like these are, they're points in the sky, but like, you can't see them, right? Like they're literally imaginary. Like we see them on a chart. The sun is out there. These nodes aren't actually anywhere. And so I think like when, like during eclipse season, it's far more like, it feels like this, like, maybe like the, the dragon of fate where you don't quite know what he's going to deliver up to you and you don't quite know what has been delivered until like six months later until you look there and you're like what happened oh that's where it started yeah that makes sense like it, it just feels like that's when i think of the dragon hole i think of this sort of time where you're like at the mercy of some sort of mythical creature <laughs> yeah it, it is a, it's uh i keep coming back to the word wild card but yes I mean, think about the, how the ancients would think about eclipses where, you know, basically the forces of life, the sun and the moon that were giving vitality and energy and 
spiritual essence, they literally thought of these, these things as deities or gods, were being swallowed up by darkness and how scary that must have been based on that particular worldview. So this is something where something is getting kind of shut off or swallowed up and, and it's, uh, it's an unsettling and, and destabilizing time where everything is kind of you know, shaken up and we're shuffling the deck for the new chapter that is going to be given to us and the new set of circumstances that's going to be given to us. So if everybody's been feeling a little unstable or destabilized for the last two weeks, it's because we've been in that in-between eclipse periods, the Bardot period, the liminal space, the dragon hole, or whatever, where there's a dangerous creature that lives there, you know? So um, also just, you know, FYI, eclipses were thought of as malefic events. Yeah. So there are these these warnings, you know, if you're into like crystals and charging them at the moons and things like that, don't charge your crystals at an eclipse because you're infusing this destabilized energy into your physical, almost like talismans, basically. Um, it's not going to turn out the way that you want it to. Wait, wait till the next one before you do that. I think you'll be all right. Um, so we're looking at this June 10th eclipse and we've let go of some of the old belief systems, hopefully. We've composted old stories and narratives and old attachments and old goals, potentially, that weren't serving us anymore. Um, and now we are bringing in, since this is a new moon, the energy of beginning, and it's conjoining the north node, which is an, an, an energy of increase. And wow. Gandalf has some thoughts on this, so he's contributing in the background. Um, this is a really uh, a, a beginning moment. This is where energy is coming in. And the energy that's going to be coming in is one of questions and not necessarily answers. We composted some old answers and we are getting curious again. So mm -hmm. curiosity is something that's coming in. Uh, integrity is important with this eclipse because the north node is on 10 degrees of Gemini, which is conjoined a fixed star called Aldebaran. And Aldebaran was the eye of the bull, and it had some associations with the myth of Ahura Mazda, which was, which was kind of a military leader in, in mythology that, that really, uh, you had to, he, he had to do things a certain way or there would be great punishment. So there's associations with that fixed star of you have to be in alignment with your integrity and keep things above board or the, the, the repercussions will be swift. Um, also, this is in the second decan of Gemini. So Gemini 2, I'm going to roll through some details here, CV, and then we'll, we'll kind of break it down. Okay. Yeah. Um, in Gemini 2, we have uh, the um, face rulers are Mars and Venus, which are opposites, basically, in traditional astrology, where we are trying to think about the balancing out the masculine and the feminine the uh, kind of the assertive energy versus the receptive energy. Um, this eclipse is going to be in the terms of Mars from 17 to 24 degrees, and it will be co-present with its host, Mercury, um, which is retrograde, and will also be Kazemi over the course of the day. So that's huge. Austin Coppett calls this deck in the hermaphrodite, and it has some associations with the story of Sibylle, Okay, which is the daimon for this particular decan. And Sibylle was a deity 
that was born with both sex organs, was born with male and female sex organs. And eventually the gods were intimidated by their power and severed one of like the phallus and it fell to the earth and from it grew a tree. And a passing youth ate an almond from that tree and took in the essence of Sibylle's lost uh, other half. And then there was this pursuit, and we believe the, the youth's name was Addis. And there was a story of, of Sibylle pursuing her lost other half. So there's really a story of trying to unify what we've, uh, uh, these disparate opposites that we feel like we may have been cut off from. So there's, the, the, you know, we have this card, the Nine of Swords associated with this deck in two. And the Nine of Swords shows somebody, you know, awake at night. I'll show, I'll stop my share for just a second to show people this. Oops. So we've got this card here where it's kind of a nightmare card where it's, we're having difficulty with all these different thoughts and options. We had this paralysis in the first decade of Gemini with everybody kind of like saying, oh, here's this pathway and this pathway. And we feel bound by all those choices. And now we're trying to say, what stays, what goes, how do we reconcile these opposites? Whereas eventually we're going to get to that Ten of Swords energy where we are having to make a choice. And the, the Kazemi is actually in the third Deccan, which I thought was really fascinating. Mm. So here's the three Deccans of Gemini. The paralysis from explosion of options and awareness of duality. The, the difficulty trying to reconcile them. And then eventually a choice that needs to be made so that we can breathe life into something um, and let go of that which we can no longer support. Okay. And that comes into play with the story of Castor and Pollux, the two twins. One was mortal and one was immortal. As far as, um, you know, Pollux had to give up some of his immortality so that Castor could, could live again because they were, you know, they didn't want to be apart. So that's kind of like the big details I see here, reconciling opposites, contradictory needs that we're trying to work through. But the main thing I think is curiosity and, uh, ambiguity and realizing that we don't necessarily have to have it all figured out right away, I think is the first part of it. What are some of your thoughts, CV? Well, when you were going through that, when you were bringing the tarot into it, I had this just like, you know, vision that thinking about a lot of the, in, in general, when I think of eclipses, I think of them as just very like pregnant, like open times to just observe, observe, watch, be mindful of what we do, knowing that we're potentially creating large ripples. But thinking about that second jump, second decan of Gemini, that like really it's like maybe part of our, you know, this eclipse experience is really juggling two things. Where do I want to go? What is it? Like these, like you said, these questions all coming to the fore. And I love this idea that, right, like just as we're at the peak of these questions, Mercury, right, takes a step back into the sun, into that third decan. And it was like, that's it. That twin dies, that twin lives. This is the choice. And so really, really being mindful in this Kazemi, maybe you're not gonna have answers, but like, but maybe there's one hidden that you can like, you'll be able to fully flesh out in the next few months. Yeah, I'm feeling uh, that statement really, really intensely. I think that you're hitting the nail on the head that once we get to that Kazemi moment, it's gonna be pretty clear as to which path is either 
you know, sustainable or, or in, unsustainable. You know, we can't keep all the, the, plant, the plates spinning in the air. I think this is the thing with Gemini that people fail to recognize is that the exploration has a purpose. The exploration is eventually so that a choice can be made and that we can infuse our, our intellect and our ideas into a physical body to manifest into form, which is what cancer is about. What are we going to nurture? How are we going to nurture that idea? How are we going to nurture one of the choices, right? Um, I think that this is just, just a personal aside with that. Recently, I've been reviewing Mercury Retrograde, some old videos that I had on my phone and on my external hard drive because I ran out of space on my phone. And so my phone was like, <gasps> let go of something. I can't breathe anymore. You know? <laughs> happened during the conference <laughs> yeah and i had to like start taking pictures with a different thing and whatever um but i had like just like you know over 900 like swimming videos on there, which was of my daughter's swim meets and her practices and what i would do is i would i would uh videotape her practice and I, then we would review some of her like you know you know, the way that her technique together and things like that, give her feedback. And you know how extra I am with details. So, <laughs> like, so I got rid of that. But, but one of the other things that was happening is a lot of my old music videos started coming up like, like concerts and that I had performed in a few years ago before I started really transitioning more to astrology. And it really put me in that Gemini nine of swords uh, sort of mindset where I was like, man, I really love doing this art which thing am I going to breathe energy into? Um, you know, because I've got a lot of stuff coming up with astrology, but I'm also sort of missing the music. And it's that kind of like balancing act. And my thought is that something will have to be let go of, but it doesn't mean that we can't do, we can never do something, right? I think what Austin Kopic used to say is, is he has a, a Gemini moon, right? And I believe he tells the story that his mom used to say, it's not that you have to be one thing or only do one thing, but you have to choose. At the oh, you Sorry, my cats. <laughs> he just ate a piece of my, my, oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, I may have to give him the boot in a second. Um, <laughs> he's the dragon. He's the hungry dragon right now. Yes, he's just eating <laughs> Um, usually I don't keep this door open, but it's so darn hot in here. I need, I need to get a fan from the air conditioned room in the other room. But, but anyway, um, it, you know, the, the story that Austin says is that his mom told him that he doesn't necessarily have to let go of that other path permanently, but he should be present and fully present in what he's doing when he's doing it. And that really resonates with me. And, and I think that that's been something that I've been doing with my astrology for the last few years is I've made a commitment to learn this, this new traditional path. And I really needed to just dive into it completely without having to feel I was being pulled in a separate direction, like with my art and with my music. And now I feel like I've gotten to a point, not that I know everything. I definitely don't. There's always things to learn as Demetra has proven, yeah. but I think I'm comfortable to a point where I may be able to like, start re-engaging a little bit with with artistic things or with music or things like that do, do you have thoughts on that absolutely it's something i think about a lot and i think maybe as being someone who well <laughs> i'm just sort of multidisciplinary so i could that really speaks to me i do have a gemini moon 
Um, and so I'm going to start, I'm going to start with the universal first. One, I think the important thing about astrology, I mean, there are people like Chris Brennan who God bless, like, it's like, he has like, I don't know, the like astro equivalent in a PhD of like right. astrology. I mean, he's basically a historian, right? So that's sort of the lens with which, through which he views astrology. But I think the beautiful thing about, yeah, I said, and, because it's not a but, the beautiful thing about astrology is that I, you, you, you really need another discipline um, to work it through. Why am I blinking on his name? God bless, I love him. And he's Chris, I refer to him as Chris Brennan. You, you broke up a fight between them. Oh, uh, Glenn Perry? No, at oh. the... Oh, <laughs> I think I'm. Oh, oh, Wade Caves. <laughs> okay, Wade Caves. He's yeah. the one who says you need to have something else to bring to your astrology. I'm gonna get in so much trouble for this one. But... Um. <laughs> I'm moving on. I'm moving on. Wade Caves. How great Wade Caves is. How many fights did I break up at, at the United Astrology Conference? <laughs> I wasn't there. I don't know. Maybe none. <laughs> At any rate, <laughs> he always says you have to bring something else to your astrology, which is the point yeah. I was getting. Remember his name. And so think about it. Like, I don't know, for me, right? Like I've in this recently, I've kind of taken the decision of, despite the fact that I was in a 17 hour lecture that like, okay, I've studied astrology intensely for three years. It's obviously what I'm doing. But like my focus in my classes now for the next year are going to be more writing intensive because I personally want to grow as a writer because that's something I work in with my writing, my, excuse me, my astrology. And so I think for you, it's like, yeah, like that idea of like, okay, I've, I have my astrology foundation. Now, what can I work? What other thing do I need to work on building to add it to? Because yeah. ultimately what we're all building is a, I think a multi uh, layered, um, um, multidisciplinary practice for most of us. Again, if you're in astrology, there's always something you're adding to it, whether it's like you're doing like psychoanalytic, psychoanalytic stuff or you're like writing or you're bringing in through your music or your historian or whatever. So, yeah, totally. And I was having actually I was having a nice conversation with with um, with Deborah about this the other day where we were talking about what we bring to our astrology. And even if you're in the beginning stages of learning the system, you bring that life experience to the table. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's not just about the symbols, because we can study the symbols, and we can get a, a, like you said, the foundation. I like that you're talking about, it, like Chris has his PhD. And mm -hmm. I feel like what I was doing over the last four years was just getting my astrology master's degree, because uh, I, I had been, you know, I would say I had the, the equivalent of a of bachelors in my 15 years of intense casual interest although i don't do anything casually so like but but it was focused right it was focused but what i've been talking to with newer students of astrology is that my uh experience as a, a music teacher as a musician recognizing patterns my time in front of classrooms teaching songwriting yeah. all contribute to my astrological worldview, to my skill set. And it, the same is true for all of you out there who are thinking about, well, what do I have to offer if there's a Chris Brennan out in the world? Well, the, your unique experience, because there is that third thing that is created, which is the oracular space. There are the symbols, 
there is the client and there's the astrologer and then there's the oracular space that you're tapping into and you're bringing your life experiences in you're bringing your viewpoint of what the symbols mean and then you know you're creating that third thing and i i think that that's that's something that's so important to recognize, you know, because I, I go back to Jeffrey Cornelius, who I, you know, really changed another really landmark author, The Moment of Astrology, right? Which just talking about how astrologers that have even less experience were, were hitting the mark almost as much as the ones that had more experience just because, you know, they were tapping into something. And I think that the other thing I've talked about with people is what you get when you increase your study and your understanding is not just always accuracy. Mm -hmm. It's an ability to communicate your insights in a more articulate way that people can receive your message. Mm -hmm. So you're just learning communication skills, I think, by learning these different symbols, learning fixed stars, learning the decans. You know, we could get something right and saying, this is a, a new moon, solar eclipse in Gemini. And we could say something on that level that could have oracular meaning for somebody, but we start to get into the nuance and we start to break it down in more complex language that might reach somebody on a different level. It's the fluency, right? Of delivering the oracular message. So. I really like that. It's that idea of the study is so that you can articulate the knowledge. Cause really, if you think about it, like when I think about the houses themselves, I think it's like one through 12, you're literally like the breadth of human experience. So like we all have something we can plug into that, but it's, it's the, the language that really brings it to life. Definitely. And, and, and I think that that's a important theme for this eclipse in particular is how do you deliver Hermes Mercury? Mm -hmm a message of truth because Hermes is going between worlds. He was the, the border crosser. Yeah. So right now he is going into metaphorically the underworld and he is unearthing things from the hidden places and bringing them to the light at that Kazemi. He's unearthing like the, the core essence of, of soul. And how is he going to deliver that? And how are you going to deliver that truth in a way that somebody is able to receive it. And same thing when, when Hermes is going and doing the superior conjunction when it's direct, right? Yeah. Maybe he's visiting Olympus and he's visiting the realm of the gods and you're bringing that thing down to the earth, that, that, that wisdom, that yeah. Olympian wisdom to the physical plane. Whereas we're unearthing things with this type of conjunction, the inferior conjunction. Mm. I like that. I like that kind of, that's something that Gary Caton really like turned me on to as far as the different superior versus inferior conjunction. I'll just demonstrate what I'm talking about here. So when Mercury is going retrograde and making a conjunction with the sun, that's called the inferior conjunction. Okay. And it doesn't mean it's any better or worse. It just means that it's, you know, coming from behind rather than above. When Mercury is making a conjunction direct, so this is the retrograde one. Here's the direct one. That's the superior conjunction. And I've been kind of talking with Gary Caton about the, the superior conjunction might, might be about Hermes visiting the Olympian realm, so the realms of the gods and bringing something back from maybe from his morning star, greatest elongation type of thing as well. And we're getting kind of technical here, but... Um, but anyway, 
I just think that over the course of the next few days, pay attention to what is brought up from the depths and pay attention to those realizations and those thoughts and think about how you are going to bring that message to your audience or to how or however it wants to be manifested and you're gonna gonna have to be flexible like that's what mercury or hermes and gemini require flexibility you can't just power through in the way that you've always done something or you will start to make mistakes and get fixated on dogma versus truth like that's that's the difference that we're seeing here Dogma is when we're, we're saying it has to be this way because it's always been this way and we're getting attached to form rather than essence. And I think that's, that's the key right there is how can you bring the essence to light versus getting the ta- attached to the form or the methodology? Yeah. Um, do we have any questions in the chat here? Uh, I'm seeing know. some nice comments here. Um, one more thing that I want to do in our time today, CV, if you've got a few more minutes to spare, is I like to do a I Ching reading for the whatever type of astrology we're experiencing. And I did one today for the eclipse and what type of experience and what type of essence we may expect with this one. And I'm drawing this on the screen here, and I'm drawing the... Uh, Hexagram number 61, which is called Inner Truth. And it's moving towards hexagram 17, which translates to adapting, following. (laughs) So so here we have 61. And other words for this hexagram, inner truth, inner sincerity, confidence, trustworthiness, integrity, conformity between the outside and the inside. Um, This is another thing that I was talking about with another client, which was uh, a way that I had described integrity really resonated with them. And it is the unity between the inner vision and the external expression. So we're trying to come into alignment with the inner vision that we're is coming up probably through Jupiter and Pisces. And how are we going to be expressing that in the world that is a reflection of who we really are, right? Rather than like, you know, feeling one thing, but saying another, which is, which is a danger with, with uh, Hermes type stuff and Gemini stuff, because the, 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 the um, dark side of this is trying to tell people what we think that they want to hear rather than what our actual truth is. Mm-hmm. Um, Carly says one interesting Gemini eclipse thing is Bitcoin is up to fi- is up 15%. Well, I didn't know that. So we've, we've been riding the uh, cryptocurrency roller coaster lately haven't we (laughs) i don't have a lot of experience with cryptocurrency i don't actually own any um i'm very risk averse so i'm just kind of like (laughs) i don't know what to do about that but yeah maybe cv has more thoughts on that but uh, Uh, that's a separate topic i'm I'm fascinated just by the idea of an electric currency but anyway yeah yeah. so back to this uh this um reading yeah we have three changing lines and uh one of them is line number actually did i write all the changing lines down where are they yeah i guess i didn't write them all down line two line four and line six there it is Uh okay 
Line two says, inner sincerity brings response from those with a like mind. Share your joy with them. So this is about being genuine and sincere to invite a response and create unity. They specifically said to avoid shallowness. Um, line four says, a crane calling out in the shade. Its young answers it. I have a fine goblet and, excuse me, I will share it with you. Um, so this is really about being able to share your wisdom, um, you know, being able to communicate with, with people, uh, not hoarding your resources or your, or your wisdom, sharing what your, your truths are. That was, uh, actually, excuse me, that was the quote from line two, okay? The crane calling out in the shade that talks about finding those with a like mind and sharing your joy with them and using your sincerity to create unity. Line number four says the moon is nearly full. Uh, a pass, a paired team of horses, uh, one abandons its mate, no blame. So I love that there's these kind of like really like, you know, esoteric quotes that we have to like really unearth meaning from the I Ching. But this one that was talking about, there's time for change. So it's time to go your own way. Uh, higher goals and ideals are calling. Uh, it's important to follow the path of integrity um, and maybe through going your own way, you have to release some other pathway, right? A paired team of horses, one abandons its mate. Okay, this could be maybe one of the twins has to die, right? Mm -hmm. See, it's all tying in, isn't it? <laughs> and I was thinking too, right? Like when you're talking about this, right? We have to think of the South Node is still um, in Sagittarius. And I'm thinking like horses, Sagittarius, but then also this idea of like, when we say like we're letting go, I think, also, I think, think some of the symbolism from South Node can be like releasing your wisdom by sharing it with others. Maybe a time to teach, right? Yeah, that's disseminating. A, that's a disseminating. That Sagittarius yeah. fits into this as well. Totally. And, and enthusiasm is associated with Sagittarius too, saying, you know, I've believed this. I'm going to share my, my passion with others. Mm -hmm. So that, that definitely is part of the equation. The last line, number six, says, a soaring sound rises into the sky. Perseverance brings misfortune. So we have a little bit of a conflicting message here with the last line, um, which talked about avoiding empty words and lofty rhetoric. Okay, so words are not the same as truth. It, it, they were really speaking to not making promises that you can't keep, right? If you become ambitious, that requires devotion, and that's not necessarily... Hermes' strength is not necessarily their strength of consistency of like seeing things through to the very end. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really important that the, the warning here is that, you know, if you are wanting to share your wisdom, share a new projects, start something new, what actions are you going to take in addition to the ideas that have come up? It, it, it's easy to, to talk about what you want to do, but you have to walk your talk eventually. So I think that that's a part of the equation. Uh, 17 uh, is the following. Allegiance, loyalty, hunting, pursuits, adaptability, being adaptable. Um, so I just think that we have to maintain our flexibility. I think that we have to be devoted to whatever uh, twin we choose to breathe life into without constantly vacillating and changing our minds. I think that, again, the way that you can find relief is releasing the twin doesn't always mean it's permanent. It's just about being present and about putting your energy into the present moment instead of like 
you know, splitting your energy in multiple directions so that what you're doing is just never, um, I don't know, quality, right? Uh, so where everything is a compromise. That's what, that's one of the dangers of this. What do you think, CB? Anything that that brought, brought to mind? Yeah, will you repeat the line where it said perseverance will, will what? Yeah, let me I'll stop my share here. It says, uh, a soaring sound rises into the sky. Perseverance brings misfortune. That's interesting. Like, it... It made me think of this, right? Like during eclipse time, I, I was thinking about Mercury delivering this Mercury delivering this message, but also this sort of very root concept that we can't control eclipses, yeah. right? Like it's important to remember that whatever we're being shown right now to like be very real about what's being shown to us and what like it's a, to quote you, right? Like in a sense, this is a time when we're getting our cosmic marching orders. And that means sometimes letting go of what we think we should be doing to figure out what the universe wants us to be doing. And so this idea that if like, fine, if you go through right now and charge your crystals and persevere and make say, you know, tell the universe, I want this, which so much of new age, right? I'm going to manifest this, this, and this, like that can actually bring you misfortune. Sure. Sure. Well, and also one thing that we didn't really even touch on that I'm going to go back to the chart for just one second here. Mercury is in a pretty tight square with Neptune, you know, and what we think we want might not actually be the reality that we're seeing. So yeah. there is a potential for, you know, our thoughts being a little bit colored by this illusion that may not be real. And also we have Jupiter making an overcoming square, which generally is positive, um, but it could be we are feeling a little bit too ambitious too. I, I think that this could be where we're are trying to manifest a little bit too much and part of integrity also okay we have saturn also in a a trine with this eclipse mm -hmm. so stay within your skill set within your limits don't try to do too much don't get blinded by fancy you know flashing lights try to maintain your sense of groundedness um doesn't mean you can't go for it it just Part of integrity also means that not going beyond what you are capable of, right? A lot of the times we get out of integrity because we promise more than we can deliver. And we have to be real careful that we're not going to be over-promising mm -hmm. in this period of time because Gemini is a, is a sanguine air sign. It's enthusiastic about its ideas. It says, this is a great idea, and so is this, and you're great, and you're great. It's similar to Leo on that level, mm -hmm. right? But, but, but it, 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 you know, we can get a little bit, uh, overly, overly enthusiastic sometimes. And I think that it's important. Yes. Yeah, stay in your lane. Lisa says, <laughs> stay in your lane. <laughs> and, uh, we are getting, I just, you know, one final thought as we move forward here, you know, Mars is going to leave cancer. Thank goodness. That'll be a relief to me. Although it'll be moving into our first houses. Yay. <laughs> out of the frying pan into the fire right Ooh, um the hot mars right so <laughs> but i think that we will be ready to take some action and we may be feeling a little bit spicy and impulsive so i think it's important to recognize that you're gonna want to move and get at, get moving um with mars you know then witnessing those those eclipse planets so just 
you know, this is always good advice. Take a deep breath. You know, you don't have to do it all at once. Eclipses are not just new moons, but they are like meta cycles. They're six month cycles. They're 18 year cycles. And whatever is unfolding now is going to have, you know, butterfly effect ripples for the, the story of your life. And I think that if you allow it to unfold, like you said, like get, come into alignment with that wild card type of shakeup, um, you're not going to burn yourself out trying to do it all, you know, at once, right? Trying to do everything uh, in the, <laughs> you know, oh, I have to do everything right now. And then you'll come in, out of alignment with your integrity and things will fall apart. So take your time. It'll be all right. <laughs> right. It's my mom voice. <laughs> oh, no, I think, and I think that's like, yeah, I think that's just really beautiful advice, especially where, you know, this eclipse season that has been mercury driven. Right. And, and, and be okay with ambiguity. That's the yeah. other thing. Be okay with not having all the answers and with having more questions than answers right now. That's, that's really how to lean into mercury. When we, when we say the chart is the problem and the solution, mercury says, let's, let's question things. Let's get curious. Let's ask the good questions without making declarative statements. So I don't think that you have to make a declarative statement on who you are, what you're doing, what it is that you're actually doing. It, it's, it's, it'll unfold over time if you start asking the proper questions. And like you said, it, with that Kazemi moment, some of the things will start to become clear, I think, over time. And, and just to sort of finish with that, like mm -hmm. just because you, you get to the point where you figure out which twin must die, like, realize that that opens a whole other set of questions. Well, now what's the remaining twin going to do? Yeah. Totally. Didn't figure that one out yet. <laughs> totally. Some answers just beget more questions, don't they? <laughs> that's my life. <laughs> one book will lead to 10 more books, you know? So, all right. Well, thank you so much, CV, for joining me today. It is always a pleasure. CV, tell me where can we find you and what are some of the things that you are working on at the moment? Well, um, I am CV Henriette, artofthezodiac.co. Um, I, you can visit my website. I did write a, I do write a blog for Supernatural Lingerie. I wrote something on the, on the nodes. I think I put that in the chat. So I, sh I shared that in the YouTube chat too. Yeah, check that out. Let me see. Um, and then I'm doing a lunar salon tonight. It's open. And uh, if you're an astrologer out there, I also host, I'm about to relaunch it on the Kazemi, an astrology writer's workshop. Nice. So check that out if you're interested in workshopping your astro astrological writings. Get at me. Let's be friends on Instagram. I'm so thankful to Spencer, who, by the way, is one of my favorite astrologers, a uh, little for you, and someone who I go to when I have advice, need advice about charts. So that's my... Um, testimony to you as an astrologer you're an amazing amazing in consultations and yeah thank you i appreciate that and i, I the, the feelings mutual cv I, I i really appreciate your um your intuition i keep telling you that with your i know you got that mercury that's all funky but but somehow you're able to kind of contextualize things in a way that my little virgo brain sometimes can't see the bigger picture so it, it's it's uh Thank you for that as well. And I have a lot of respect for the work that you do as well and your wisdom. Um, so yeah, check out CV at Art of the Zodiac. She has an apothecary line. She's doing a lot of great community building and interviews people. 
um, and, and really shines a spotlight. And, and I think that one of CV's great skills is she allows people to be great. You know, she's able to get that beautiful Venus in Taurus and you're able to kind of like, you know, prop people up. And I always feel better after our talks and stuff. So thank you for that. Yeah. Um, if you want to support the work that I do here, uh, the first thing that you can do is hit that like button on Spencer Michaud Astrology. And uh, you could share it with your friends, leave me a comment, even if you weren't able to catch it live on the replays, leave me a comment, subscribe to the channel. Um, if you want to make a material donation to the work that I do, you can make a donation at buymeacoffee.com. That is always appreciated. It gives me the, the time to do the research that I do and to create the content that I do. And uh, I'm so thankful for all of you that have joined us in the chat today. Um, we're getting some nice, we're getting some hearts, we're getting some thank yous, and I, I appreciate all of you being here today. And I hope to continue to create um, just a, a, an outlet for people to be able to communicate and uh, to, you know, I don't know, express ourselves astrologically and, and create more community. I think that's my 11th house intention with uh, the, the eclipse happening there. So uh, appreciate all of you. Thanks for being here. And thank you, CV, so much for your time today. Thank you. Lovely. All right. Take care, everyone.